0: This morning's scripture reading is found in the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. We'll be reading Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed or in awe at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are in awe of them. For the customs of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. And they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither is it in them to do good. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like you. They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. They are the work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal king. When he is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. Thus shall you say to them, the gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his images are false, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob, for he is the one who formed all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the one true God. We thank you and praise you that you are living, that you are eternal, that you are Lord, and that you are our God. Lord, that you would choose us as your portion and that you are our portion and our joy in life. Lord, we live in a world that does not understand these things that does not believe in you, that has suppressed the knowledge of you in their unrighteousness. And Father, in this world, I pray that you would strengthen us to stand for you, to know the truth, to, to proclaim the truth, and to not be led by the ways of the world around us, but that we would be a light to them to show them you, the true God. As we look at your word this morning, may you strengthen and build us up by the words that you've spoken. In Jesus name, amen. As you might have guessed from the scripture reading this morning, we are going to be setting aside Mark's gospel for the morning in order to address a topic that is central to the faith. The topic is this. Are there more gods than one? Are there more gods than one? This is an important question. In our day, it is a question that the Scriptures answer emphatically and clearly. It speaks into the confusion of both the the ancient world of Israel and in our secular, confused, pluralistic society today. But I think it's important to to understand on the outset that it's foolish for us today to assume we're exempt from walking in the way of the nations, as Jeremiah warned Israel in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. It's foolish to assume that we're exempt from walking in the ways of the nations. When Jeremiah warned about this in his day, The Canaanite nations of old and the empires of Assyria and Babylon and Persia. They worshipped objects of nature, the sun, the moon and the stars as divine. And they assigned different spheres of power to various gods and goddesses. And they made images of them to worship them. And Israel was tempted to follow after them, to listen to their philosophers and teachers and priests, drawn after the, the benefits of aligning with the nations around them. But Today, little has changed. Our culture says nature is all that there is. God is treated as dead. And the gods of old are given new names. Now we worship trees and apes in the name of Darwin. And Babies are offered on the altar. Children are are sacrificed on the altar of self-advancement. People put themselves over even the lives of the unborn, even the lives of their living children, increasingly as we we send them off so that we can live our own lives, go our own way. Men and women mutilate themselves. They destroy their bodies in rebellion against God's design in order to be something that God declares that they are not, and to live in a way that is is contrary to the way that God has made us. Old errors repeat themselves. I'm amazed when you look back at the the history of philosophy and religions and the paganism of of the Greco-Roman world that Jesus lived in and the apostles, It's become so mainstream. You have Roman Catholic mystics like Richard Rohr who tells people authentic Christianity is panentheism. Panentheism is a Hindu or a Gnostic worldview that says God is in all things. Everything you see has a spark of the divine. The child pouring a glass of milk into his mouth. That's the divine being poured out into the divine. And this is, this is common in the New Age world. It's coming into the church in various forms, in various ways. It's uh, Oprah spirituality. This is what we have to fight against. I don't think paganism has disappeared. I think it's been rebranded. We live in an age enchanted with the lie of the exaltation of man. Whether it's the secularists at the World Economic Forum that write books about how we're we're just from nothing, And, and uh, talking about technology and becoming God. Or whether it's the materialistic consumer mindset of living for myself, living for comfort, living for pleasure, for what's easy. But it's a lie, a lie from the very beginning, that man can be as God. And the church is not above listening to the spirit of the age. So it becomes very important for us to know how to answer the question, are there more gods than one? Because our culture... Our world looks to many things as gods they worship. We know the true and the living God. Perhaps the two clearest texts on the subject are Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you should worship him only and love him with your whole being, heart soul mind and strength this was something the people of Israel were to teach their children from the youngest of ages they knew these words yet Jeremiah is warning them in his day that they not depart from that that they would remember the Lord their God and so the second text the text that we're going to look at this morning Jeremiah 10, verse 10. This is also our memory verse for the month. Jeremiah 10, verse 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. When he is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. Jeremiah 10.10 is a declaration of the nature of God. Tells us who he is. And this description is given to the people of God. In contrast with the foolishness of idolatry. With going after the way of the nations and serving their gods. So Jeremiah declares in verse one. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the nations. The Lord God speaking to his people is saying, don't go in that direction. Don't go in the direction of the nations. Don't depend on them. Don't rely on them or their gods. In fact, in verse six, he says to them, not just don't learn from them, but don't be afraid of them. And we, we can only be courageous in our world today and we see all of the immorality, we see the, the opposing worldviews that people have, how they are opposed to God. We can only be courageous when we recognize that they are powerless, when we see what they are in comparison to the true and living God. The Lord's message to his people hasn't changed. In the letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, Paul says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, that's the one whom you've received, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Follow the Lord. Look to him. Trust him. Verse 8 of Colossians chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition According to the elemental spirits of this age, and not according to Christ. Don't learn from the world around you. Let your life, let your thinking be shaped by Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, not by the ideas, the traditions, of mankind. The message is the same. Now, in warning his people, the Lord first exposes the folly of worshiping idols. In Jeremiah chapter ten, verses three through nine. And as we read in the beginning those verses, the message is clear. Idols are man-made. They're non-gods. They're no different than a scarecrow, the prophet says. What does a scarecrow do? It sits there and maybe blows a little bit in the wind. It's supposed to scare away a few birds. But it can't walk. It can't talk. It can't do something good or something bad. If you pray to a scarecrow, it will not hear you. It will do nothing. Even the most impressive of idols, made with all the best materials, if you put a robe of purple over this golden idol, it's not going to make it anything more than the work of man. In contrast to the false, lifeless, and and fleeting gods of the nations, verse 10 says, The Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. When he is angry, the earth trembles, the nations cannot endure his wrath. We have a very simple answer all throughout the scriptures to the question, are there more gods than one? There is only one God. And he is the true and living God. He is true. He is living. He is eternal. And he is king. That's Christianity 101. There is only one God and you should worship him. Because he made you. He has made a way through Jesus Christ that we might be reconciled to him. Let's look at those four things in verse 10. First, God is true, meaning that he's genuine. He really is God in contrast to the non-gods that are out there. He's not just a mere figure of wood or stone or Metal. In fact, we're told not to make an image of Him. Because He's invisible. He's beyond anything that we could compare Him to in in creation. He's over and above all those things. God is true. He really is God. Second, God is living. Meaning He's not lifeless. He's not inactive. This cannot be said of the idols we craft in our hearts and with our hands, things that we worship and ascribe value to. An idol is dependent on the person crafting it. The only way for it to be stood up there is if you stand it up and you fasten it to the wall or to the table, you set it down there, you put the little... Food before it, it's utterly dependent on you. But God's life, His very being, is not dependent on a thing. It doesn't depend on this world to exist or to be happy. Instead, the very opposite is true. The scriptures teach that all the world is held together by him. We would not exist. This building would not exist if God were not holding the world together. He gives. Acts 17, 25. He gives to all people life and breath and everything. So God is true. He is living, and God is eternal, meaning that he has no beginning or end. He has always been. This, too, is very unlike the idol that once was not and soon perishes. I don't know why this reminds me of it, but I was thinking of um, in Judges, there was a, an ephod made and it was worshipped. And, and it sort of changes hands a few times at the end of Judges. This, the priest and the ephod kind of travel along. The tribe of Dan wants him. That's how idols are. They travel along to our whims and are dependent on us. But the Lord is not like that. He's eternal. He doesn't depend on anything to exist. Well, the fourth thing that we read in Jeremiah 10.10 is that God is king. He is the eternal king, meaning that he's Lord. He has the rights over this world. Why? Because he made it. He made all things. And so he has the right to call us, to worship him, to see him for who he is. and To love and serve him. Well, the rest of Jeremiah's message contrasts the gods who perish, the gods who didn't create the universe, with the true God who is creator of all things. And in fact, the people of God, verse 11, are called to say to the nations, the gods who did not make the heavens will perish from the earth and from under the heavens, and it is he who made the earth by his power. This is the message that the people of God are to proclaim to the world around them, to proclaim the Creator he's the one who made all that we see. He's the one who made you and I. The gods of secularism can't claim that. Blind chance could not create the universe. People are left without anything to stand on that which they worship is powerless but the lord made the heavens and the earth is this a message that we proclaim that we are willing to to share with other people and sim- simply just to say sit to point to the creator who made all things and to Give Him thanks in our conversation. We know the true and living God. We can proclaim Him without fear because He is the Lord. And we don't need to fear that which is not God. For our purposes, though, um, I want to zero in on the last couple of verses in Jeremiah 10. Not the last of the chapter, but the last of our, our text. Verses 14 through 16. It says that every man is stupid and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols for his images are false and there's no breath in them. They're worthless, a work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob, for he is the one who formed all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. So Jeremiah concludes by talking about the stupid way to live, and the security of those who have God as their portion. There's a contrast. Now, the stupid way to live has nothing to do with mental capacity or intelligence or knowledge. But what we do with our lives, those that worship That which is worthless, that which is fleeting, that which is not God, are the Bible calls foolish. And this text indicts all people under that. Every man, a fool. Having, as as it says in the letter to the Roman, the church in Rome, People have suppressed the knowledge of God in their unrighteousness, not wanting to accept God as Lord over their lives, as the one who is God and that they are not. There's a fundamental distinction between the creator and creation. And so that line has been blurred in our world until you have in, in, uh, in the atheistic, naturalistic worldview, a view that puts God completely out of the picture. Or in in the the pagan nations of Jeremiah's day that worshipped many gods, they, they recognized something greater than themselves, gods and goddesses. But they took the glory of God and worshipped these false gods and goddesses. And this is a foolish way to live. To live for something other than the creator. To live for lifeless idols crafted by human imagining And you can make up your own ideas of what you think God would or should be. To some degree, I think we all do that. Tweak that view of God just a little bit to the one that we like. We can do that. or we can worship the one who's revealed himself as the creator of the universe, the one who declares, I am the Lord, and there is no other, Isaiah 45, verse 5. In his famous sermon on the nature of God, the King Follett Sermon, the King Follett Discourse, Joseph Smith said, it is necessary for us to have an understanding of God himself in the beginning. Need to have an understanding of God himself in the beginning. If we start right, it's easy to go right all the time. But if we start wrong, we may go wrong. And it will be a hard matter to get right. He's saying there, it matters what sorts of things we believe about God. And, you know, if you start wrong, you're gonna gonna be hard to go the right way again. And on that we'd agree. But then he proceeds to prove his words True. If we start wrong, we may go wrong, and it may be hard matter to get right again. He then offers a description of God in that that uh, sermon. That is the the antithesis, the opposite of the things that we read this morning in the scriptures. In LDS theology, God is, let me read it. I want to read it to you. I don't like putting words in people's mouths. Open, uh, what sort of being was God in the beginning? Open your ears and hear all ye ends of the earth. God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. This is the great secret. If you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form like yourselves. With all the person, image, and very form as a man. In LDS theology, God is a part of nature. Really. Of the same species as you and I. He's an exalted man. The LDS God is not the eternally existent originator of all things. Why am I bringing this up? It's not to be a contrarian. I don't like disagreeing with people necessarily. But I don't think we should skirt around this. Someone LDS is listening to the recording of this. I want you to know. I want you to want to challenge you on this. Because you can't fundamentally agree with the truth statements that I just read in Jeremiah chapter ten. God either is the eternal God who is utterly unlike all of creation or he is in some fashion a part of creation and he is a exalted man as joseph smith would put it If we take god at his word there are only two ways to live we either worship him as the only god period god as he says he is eternal, spirit, holy, and good. We either worship him as the only God or a God of our own imagining. And brothers and sisters, we shouldn't skirt around these kinds of things. We have a message. To proclaim God as creator and as the living and true God. To a watching world in, in our words, what we say about God, but also in our actions. Whether we submit to the Lord God. Will we be as the world? Will we listen to what God says about who we are as a man, as a woman? Will we teach our children the truth about God? And what this means for you and I. That we would worship and serve him. That we would love him with our whole being as Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about. You know, it's the grace of God that He would rescue any of us, that He would reveal Himself to us. For otherwise we would be as every man. Walking in, in foolishness. We can have the joy of knowing, and we can proclaim to people the joy of knowing God as our portion. Jeremiah 10, verse 16. Knowing that we belong to him, and that he is our joy and our life and our strength. Are there more gods than one? No. There's only one Lord, the true and living God. Take this truth with you this month. This is our memory verse, Jeremiah 10:10. 10, 10. Meditate on the Lord. Be ready to tear down idols. To flee from them, as the Apostle John put it, and to turn to serve the living God.